0: We're in the midst of a series of lessons, How Do I?, that's taking us verse by verse through the book of James. And in this practical, down to earth letter, James identifies 12 distinguishing marks of a mature Christ follower, 12 areas of our lives whereby we can measure how we're growing in our daily walk with the Lord. Today, we come to James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And the question, how do I tame my tongue? Follow along in your Bible as I read today's text. James chapter 3, we pick it up with verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone's never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Perhaps nothing reveals our maturity level any more than our mouths. The words we speak. Do you realize on the average that we hold 30 conversations each and every day. We spend a full one-fifth of our lives talking. In fact, if we were to write down every word we speak in the course of a year, it would fill 66 books over 800 pages each in length. Now, men speak between 15,000 and 20,000 words per day, while women speak between 25,000 and 30,000 words per day. And I am not going to touch that. <laughs> Let me just say that the more we use our tongues, the more opportunity there is for us to get into trouble. How do I tame my Tongue. James talks about our mouth, our words, more than any other writer in the New Testament. In fact, the topic is mentioned at least once in every single chapter in this book. In fact, as we rework our way through these 12 verses, which is the main part where he talks about this at the beginning of chapter 3, let's first answer this question. Why should I tame my tongue? I mean, what's the big deal anyway? Isn't it better just to speak my mind and tell it like it is? I mean, it's only words. No. James drives home the point that the tongue, our mouth, our words, our speech is very, very powerful. For instance, my tongue determines what I do. My tongue determines what I do. Do. Look again at verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Commentators explain that the original recipients of James' letter faced the problem within many churches at that first century. Many aspired to be teachers because the position of a teacher or a rabbi, if you will, was one that came with great honor in the first century. James is quick with his warning here that those who preach and teach, those who represent God and speak on His behalf are held to a much higher standard by God Himself for each and every word that they utter. I mean, talk about a humbling thought. I know, as should every man or woman who teaches the Bible, that I'm going to be judged even more strictly when it comes to what I say. Why? Because a teacher's words have a profound influence for good or for bad, for truth or for error. And hence every teacher is accountable to God for his or her tongue. And so James continues in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. I like the way the message paraphrases the same verse. In fact, let's read it out loud together. Would you read it with me? We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. There's James' favorite word again. Perfect. Mature. Complete. Finished. Our maturity Our growth in Christ. What we accomplish that has a lasting eternal value in this life, what we do is directly tied to our tongues. And whether we're a teacher in the formal sense as in verse 1, or whether we're a business person, or a homemaker, or a factory worker, or a retail clerk, or a rancher, or a retiree, or whatever else we may do in life, our speech and words determine how successful we will be. The person who masters the art of communication who, as James says, is never at fault in what he says is the person who is going to be an influential leader. Someone who makes a difference in this world. Psalm 37 verses 30 and 31 tells us, Words of wisdom come when good people speak. They remember God's teachings and they never take a wrong step. And so first, my tongue determines what I do. Second, my tongue directs where I go. (laughs) My tongue directs where I go. Notice verses 3 and 4. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. (laughs) Someone once said, We shape our words, and then once spoken, our words shape us. Simply put, what we say molds and shapes our lives. Our mouths direct where we go. And James uses two examples to illustrate how powerfully the tongue directs us. First, he mentions the bit in a horse's mouth. Isn't it amazing to you that a scrawny little 100-pound jockey can control a 3,000-pound thoroughbred guiding it around a racetrack. Or a driver can steer the horse pulling the buggy or a farmer can direct the horse pulling the plow. I mean, in essence, really what good is a horse without a bit? (laughs) Uncontrolled. It runs wild. I mean horse doesn't walk up and volunteer to run the race <laughs> or pull the buggy or plow the field. Hey, I'll help you, sir. Wilbur. What's his name, Wilbur? You know? Mr. Ed. The horse must be broken by a bit so that it can be told where to go and what to do. And the same is true of our tongues. And second, James mentions the rudder On a ship. It's so small, and yet it directs the ship wherever the captain determines. I'm told that the the largest ship right now is a tie between the Allure and the Oasis of the Seas. Cruise ships. Both are 225,282 gross tons, (laughs) 1,187 feet long. That's more than four football fields. They sit 236 feet above the waterline. They have 16 passenger decks. They carry 6,296 passengers and 2,165 crew. And they're controlled by the aid of a little GPS with four small thrusters in the bow working as rudders and that the captain can position those giant ships within two to three inches of the plotted course at any given time. is that amazing? And here's the point. Power applied at the right point, the rudder, is sufficient to control the whole ship. And likewise, power applied at the right place, our speech, our words, is sufficient to control the whole person. James' bottom line is this, nothing determines our direction in life more than our tongues. It's the bit, it's the rudder of life and so second my mouth directs where i go number 3 my tongue destroys what i have My tongue destroys what I have. That's negative, I know, but James certainly wants us to understand the destructive power of the tongue in verses 5 and 6. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never harm me. Did you ever use that? Ever hear that? Yeah. Don't believe a word of it. Some of us have had broken bones and cuts and bruises that have healed just fine, and yet we're still hurting from something that someone said years and years ago. Words can leave lifelong scars. Isn't that true? Psalm 52 and verse 2 tells us that words scheme catastrophe. The tongue cuts razor sharp. Psalm 18.21 reminds us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now probably all of us have been on the receiving end of someone's tongue that's been razor sharp and hurt us deeply, But do we realize how often our words affect the lives of those around us? James reminds us that it only takes a small spark to set an entire forest ablaze. One lightning strike, one untended campfire can spread so quickly, can get so completely out of control in a heartbeat. And that's the destructive power of a single word. It's a chain reaction of destruction. Someone says something hurtful to us and so we come home grumpy and we say something negative to our spouse who then yells at one of the kids who then kicks the dog, who then bites the cat, and the cat scratches the other kid, and on it goes. Isn't that the way it happens? Spreads like wildfire, doesn't it? The message paraphrases. Verse 6, by our speech. We can ruin the whole world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it smoke right from the pit of hell. I mean, James doesn't sugarcoat anything right here because he wants us to understand just how serious the destructive power of the tongue really is. It's not to be taken lightly, folks. And so third, my tongue destroys... What I have number 4 my tongue defines who I am My tongue defines who I am We'll come back to verses 7 and 8 here in a moment. But let's skip down to verses 9 through 12 right now. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I mean, look at all the inconsistencies, the contrasts that James uses in these verses. A praising mouth that also produces cursing. A saltwater spring producing fresh water. A fig tree producing olives. A grapevine producing figs. I mean, it's crazy. What's James driving at? Well, in his own words, my brother's This should not be. More literally, these things cannot be so. Simply put, it's contrary to nature's law for a salt spring to produce fresh water or a fig tree to produce olives or a grapevine to produce figs. I mean, that's crazy thinking. And it's just as crazy for both praising and cursing to come out of the same mouth. Such inconsistencies don't make any sense at all. And the truth to be learned here is this. My tongue defines who I am. If we drink from a, a fresh, from a spring and it's fresh and it's clear water, we know what it is. It's a freshwater spring. If we go to a tree and we pick figs, we know what it is. It's a fig tree. If we go to a vine and we eat some grapes, we know what it is. It's a grape vine. And the truth is, we always know what something is by the fruit that is produced by it. Jesus Himself put it this way, Matthew 7, verse 20, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. And therefore, what my tongue produces, what comes out of my mouth, unmistakably reveals what I'm made of, my true nature. Not what I want other people to think I am. Not what I pretend to be, but what I really am, who I really am. So forth. My tongue defines who I am. Okay, so the question is why should I tame my tongue? And the answer is because my tongue determines what I do, my tongue directs where I go, my tongue destroys what I have, my tongue defines who I am. Pretty important. Which leads us to the second main question today, and that is how? How can I tame? My tongue. Now we come back to verses 7 and 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Whoa! James makes this taming of our tongue sound like it's impossible. But don't overlook those words in verse 8. No man can tame the tongue. Humanly speaking, this little slippery part of our bodies is untamable. But with God's help, it can be done. In the Holy Spirit's power, and with the Lord's intervention, we can tame the untamable. And to help us understand what the Bible teaches us about controlling our mouth, our speech, our words, let me frame it with the acrostic tame, T-A-M-E. The T would stand for trace it to the source. Trace it to the source. Jesus told us in Matthew 15 and verse 18, The things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. Let's read Jesus' words in Luke 6 and verse 45 out loud together. Would you read them with me? The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. That's how it works. You see, the source of a tongue problem is a heart problem. I had lunch one day with a member of one of the churches where I was pastoring. And we talked while we were eating. And while we did so, he, he laced his conversation with profanity here and there. <laughs> and finally, I just asked him, do you realize how often you swear? And embarrassed, he said, I'm sorry, Pastor, but you know, I just can't seem to help myself. I, I don't know where it comes from. And so without comment, I reached for the pitcher of water on the table. And I filled my water glass all the way to the brim Then I nudged it. Water spilled out onto the tablecloth. and He kind of jumped back startled and he said, what are you doing? And I looked him square in the eye and I said, what did I just spill out of that water glass? And he said, water, of course. And I explained, this glass could not spill iced tea. This glass could not spill milk. This glass could not spill soda. This glass could only spill water because water is what fills it. You got the point. Do you? See, a tongue problem is a heart problem. A harsh tongue comes from an angry heart. A negative tongue comes from a fearful heart. A gossiping tongue comes from a jealous heart. A boastful tongue comes from an insecure heart. A filthy tongue comes from an impure heart. A critical tongue comes from a bitter heart. And on and on we could go. Because we can always trace a bad tongue to a bad heart. But the good news is the opposite is also true. We can trace a good tongue to a good heart. An encouraging word comes from a joyful heart. A gentle tongue uh, word comes from a loving heart. A truthful tongue comes from an honest heart. A healing tongue comes from a compassionate heart. A counseling tongue comes from a wise heart. A positive tongue comes from a hopeful heart. And on and on we could go. Because we can always trace a good tongue to a good heart. Again, Jesus put it this way, Matthew 12 and verse 34, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And so if we're ever going to tame our tongues with God's help, we're going to have to do some heart work. Now, the good news there is that God specializes in that. God alone does heart work. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the sinful heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. So we've got a tongue problem. We've got to do some business before God with our hearts, folks. How can I tame my tongue? The T reminds us to trace it to the source. The A means acknowledge my specific sins. I need to acknowledge my own personal specific sins. Let's watch this video clip together. that closing Scripture, by the way? I like the way the message paraphrases it. Let's read it out loud together. I tell you that people will have to answer on judgment day for every careless word they speak. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. My question is, why wait for judgment day? to confront the sins of my tongue, your tongue. James tells us in verse 8 that the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So let's just acknowledge that evil right now. Let's identify that deadly poison today because the only way that we're ever going to tame our tongues is to confess our specific tongue sins to God. To ask for His forgiveness, His cleansing, and to seek the Holy Spirit's help in overcoming our sin. Frankly, we don't have the time this morning to go into detail on the sins of the tongue. So what I've done is provided you with a checklist in your bulletin. Would you take that out right now and just look at it? Along with some Scriptures so that you can do some further study and soul searching on your own at home this week. Yes, you have some homework. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, this list is not exhaustive, but it will give you a head start, I think, on some of the sins of the tongue that the Bible talks about. What I do is I urge you to set aside some time this week. Find a quiet place. Just you, your Bible, and God. And work your way through this list asking God to reveal any of your own specific sins. Acknowledging them to Him with a heart of repentance. By the way, notice I put a couple blanks at the bottom. Again, this list is not exhaustive. And as you spend your time before God, maybe God might reveal a sin or two that you have that isn't on this list. So write it out on there. Let's deal with these sins of the tongue. For today, let me just wrap up this point with Proverbs 28 and verse 13. He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So how can I tame my tongue with God's help? It's going to take some confession and some repentance on my part. The A means acknowledge my specific sins. The M stands for memorize Scripture. Memorize Scripture to help you overcome. Earlier when we studied through James 1, verses 13-18, through how to win against temptation, one of the lessons we learned was to use the Bible. God's Word. The sword of the Spirit as a weapon against Satan and his schemes. This is our primary offensive weapon and we would do well to use it in the taming of our tongues. And so one suggestion is to start with the Scriptures on this checklist that I gave you for homework this week. If you're struggling with a specific sin of the tongue, you can confess it to God and with a, with a, with a heart of repentance.
1: You can memorize
0: then a verse or two about that specific sin to recall the next time that you're tempted. For example, look on here. I think it's the seventh one down. The gossiping tongue. See it on there? Proverbs 11, verse 13. is one of the Scriptures there. If you were to memorize this verse, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. (laughs) The next time that you are tempted to gossip, you could just say that verse out loud. By the way, say it out loud because that's how you thrust the sword of the Spirit at the enemy. You say it out loud. You can't hear what you're saying in your mind. You say it out loud so you'll hear it and so the enemy will hear it. And you can say no the next time you're tempted to gossip. Another suggestion is to memorize some of the Scriptures and the general topic of the tongue, the words, mouth, speech that are in the Bible. Like Job 27, verse 4. My lips will not speak wickedness. My tongue will utter no deceit. That's a good verse. Psalm 39, verse 1. I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth. First Peter 3, verse 10. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. Good verses. Or how about a couple of verses right here from James? Like James 1, verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue... He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Or James 3, verse 2, right here in today's text. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Well, that's some good verses to memorize. So how can I tame my tongue the end is to memorize Scripture. You can do it. Don't sell yourself short. You can do it. You need to use the sword of the Spirit to help you overcome the temptation to sin with your tongue. The E stands for express wholesome, godly words. Get in the habit of expressing wholesome, godly words. One of the best ways to tame our tongues is to practice positive, wholesome, encouraging, godly words and speech as often as we possibly can. In other words, to replace our sinful tongue with a righteous tongue. Read Ephesians 4 and verse 29 out loud with me. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Boy, that's such an important Scripture. Paul put it this way, Colossians 4 and verse 6. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. Again, the lesson here is in place of the sins of the tongue, we need to learn to practice wholesome, godly, positive, uplifting words instead. Let it go through those filters. Is this good? Is this wholesome? Is this going to build somebody up? Before you ever say it. That takes some hard work and practice, but with God's help we can do it. So how can I tame my tongue? The E is express wholesome, godly words. T-A-M-E. How can I tame my tongue? Trace it to the source, the heart. Acknowledge my specific sins. Do your homework this week. and memorize Scripture to overcome. And then the E, express wholesome, godly words. How do I tame my tongue? Well, this morning we've taken a closer look at James 3, 1-12, through 12, and we've answered the questions, why should I tame my tongue? And then how? Can I tame my tongue? And once again, in his straightforward in-your-face style, James hits the nail on the head. He addresses yet another area of our everyday walk with God where we need to mature. And I can't help but think that every single one of us this morning has a little problem with our tongue. Would you agree? Let's conclude today's lesson. By reading Psalm 19 and verse 14 out loud together. I hope that this would be our prayer each and every day of our lives. So let's read it as a prayer. Read it with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. May that be so.